the industry has a tremendous potential to impact people's lives in a positive way as long as it's done responsibly, sustainably, and, and scaled by people with the right kind of motivations and ethical backgrounds. Building the bridge between you know the psychedelic world and the and the biotech world, we really want to make sure that this is uh, a conversation that's had by all parties. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Am Christina D'Arcangelo. Thank you so much for joining us. And today I have a guest on that I'm really, really excited to talk to, Patrick, who is going to talk to us about what he does for a living and what connects him to me and all those good things. Because, you know, as we always talk about on every show, we always like to show everyone that there's always something that makes us the same. So welcome, Patrick. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate you inviting me onto the podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. So why don't you let everyone know where you're talking from today, where you're at location-wise, not specifically, but <laughs> geographically. Yeah, no worries. I'm, uh, I'm calling in from Medellin, Colombia today. I'm uh, at a buddy's house here and spending a, yeah, a, month, a month here just sort of hanging out and getting ready for the Wonderland Conference. It's so awesome to talk to you. Not only today, but other times from Colombia. So it's really cool to be talking to you again today. And why don't you explain to everyone what Wonderland means? What is that conference? What is it about? For sure. Yeah. So it's uh, our, our uh, company is Microdose Psychedelic Insights. And we're, uh, you know, one of the media platforms in the psychedelic space, uh, you know, really building a, a following for community commerce and education. Uh, and so Wonderland is our premier event series that happens annually in Miami. And uh, this year it should be the, the largest psychedelic conference out there. Uh, so it's three days of programming, 200 speakers, two stages, uh, you know, tons of interactive activations. We got a VR area, art gallery, you know, you need a massage. We got some chairs there for you. Um, and, you know, have a very serious caliber of uh, attendees, you know, from, from the biotech space, the tech spaces, even the FDA is giving a keynote. Um, we've got 50 plus, you know, attending journalists that are going to be covering this, making sure it's, you know, seen far and wide. And, uh, yeah, really, really just um, focused on bringing people an experience that uh, can help them not only learn, but, you know, connect with, with people in the space. I think it's so exciting that you're doing this because, you know, this space is kind of reminding me, if you will, of when I first got into cannabis back, you know, five, six years ago and like the need for education and understanding that this is earth-based, you know, these products are earth-based and natural. So they're already out there <laughs> in the earth. Um, and so it's kind of marrying that with the scientific facts about the plants and the nature and the mushrooms, et cetera, to explain to people how they work from a medicinal standpoint, that it's not just about getting high. That's what, you know, people like to stigmatize us with, like we're a bunch of wet people like running around, get trying to be high all the time, which is not the case at all. Because if you look into some of the research that's already out there, you'll see that it works for MDD, major depressive disorder, depression, anxiety, migraine. I could go on and on uh, because obviously you could tell I've been following things very closely <laughs> in the clinical space. 
especially since we're going to be working in that space in Canada specifically, um, but it'll obviously trickle down into the United States um, with the Indigenous people. So I'm really excited uh, to hear more about this conference that you can share without stealing the thunder, so to speak, of the conference, because obviously you want to make sure people understand what it's about and what the intention was behind it and why it's important to attend if you're curious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we kind of built the conference to make sure that there was something for everyone in the audience. And, you know, in terms of scientific keynotes, we have um, uh, Robin Carthart-Harris. He's one of the leading psychedelic scientists. Uh, uh, we have Matthew Johnson, who's doing the smoking cessation study with the NIH, one of the first government-funded psychedelic studies in about 40 years. So uh, we'll be hearing from him, you know, Paul Stamets, uh, who's a you know, legendary mycologist. We got Rick Doblin from MAPS, who's, you know, uh, speaking of, of treatments using MDMA to help cure PTSD uh, in veterans across America. Um, one of our clients, Mind Biotherapeutics, will be debuting some results from their phase one clinical trial uh, using microdosing LSD. So um plenty of scientific rigor in the room that's for sure and and you know if you're if you're into that it's uh, going to be a big focus on the on the main stage of saturdays is the scientific uh, side of things but then you also have non-scientific things so i don't want people to assume that it's just going to be all us nerdies <laughs> Well, if you want to have fun, we have lots of that. Uh, we have, you know, workshops. If you want to sort of learn about a couple of different things here and there, we'll have networking lounges, a food court, um, the evening programming. We've got about 15 extracurricular events already scheduled. So, you know, VIP welcome. We've got an official after party as a fundraiser in support of MAPS. There'll be cocktail hours here and there and investor dinners and all sorts of stuff and even on the show floor you know we've got a we've got a lot of interactive elements we've got a movie theater where we're going to be actually debuting our documentary the world on drugs uh, which i'm really excited about uh, we'll have an art gallery we'll have a vr zone an nft zone uh, we'll have a wellness pod we'll have massage tables iv drips vitamin drips like all sorts of things to make sure that if you're the type of person that gets bored you won't yeah, this is so awesome. This reminds me of, you know, don't kill me, though, because <laughs> you know where I've come from originally, which was traditional pharmaceutical. Um, this reminds me of back in the day um, when we would have our big, we would have a big, big, big conference in outsourcing, and it was called CRO Partnerships. And it was the largest conference in the pharmaceutical space. And um, I was 30 on the board. I was one of the youngest board members. Um, and I remember that year specifically because when I joined the board, it was the year that um, they had the conference in Vegas. Okay. And <laughs> people, uh, yeah. people were just, you know, these are the differences of drinking alcohol versus <laughs> taking, you know, other things. Um, to yeah. help with your anxiety, et cetera. Um, <laughs> so people would show up, you know, still lit from the night before, getting on the main stage. And here, you know, I told you I was a young kid, right? And, you know, I was the youngest head of outsource, 
outsourcing and procurement in the entire global biotech industry at 30. So people always looked at the young kids like for the like, oh, that's the one that's going to be partying until the, you know, until the morning. That guy or that girl of the world. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, I was not new. I took that stuff seriously. Like, you know, I come in, I show up when I come to speak, you know, even when I was 30, you know, I showed up because how could I have gotten a board seat? to help plan this big event next year if I wasn't showing up. So I remember like how crazy it was and like there was plenty to do. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. It always is, but you know, it's like that when you think about it, a lot of people, you know, at, at conferences, they're, they're making the real value and the real connections in a social environment. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a rager, but you know, a general rule of thumb is you want to do business with somebody that you like. So right, meet and greet and really suss each other out in person, which has, you know, been missing for um, since COVID started. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I I completely agree with you. And it's very interesting Uh to see now the in-person conferences finally coming back, you know, um, because we haven't been able to do it for so long. And it's kind of depressing, you know, for people like us that are used to being at conferences and and showing up and like I I I participated in conferences during COVID, but it was like this. It was like Zooms, you know, like it was very hard like to do a keynote speech in the UK when you can't see anybody and it's just you talking like this. And you don't know if people are getting the message or because I like to read the room when I'm up there, you know, talking because I want to see like what's going on. Is this working or not? Should I change my my chain of thought? Should I talk about this? Because I really pay attention to my audience. And before it was so hard with Zoom. How, how did you do with the Zoom conferences when we couldn't meet in person? Was it hard for you, too? I mean, almost the, the beautiful irony is it was almost the opposite. You know, we uh, started microdose, microdose kind of in the face of uh, the, the lockdowns and shutdowns. And, you know, the thesis that, you know, with everything shutting down and events not being able to be held in person, there is going to be a yearning for gathering community, thought leadership, that kind of thing. So early, I think it was April uh, 2020, we started on the scene with the virtual psychedelics conference which you know at the times we got a uh, hundred speakers and a thousand participants and you know did, did uh, pretty well on that just because I think you know it was a beautiful combination of the industry uh, emerging at the time that it did and you know just a lot of factors but we've definitely noticed that the demand has gone full pendulum swing back to the in-person now that you know things are coming back online so yeah, we're excited. We, we did our first one last year, uh, similar dates. And this year is definitely scaled up a lot bigger, uh, better, more entertaining. Well, it's in Miami, <laughs> which is an awesome place to be, you know, like Miami. I mean, that's where it's happening, you know, between the culture, the food, the being able to see the ocean. <laughs> that's, you know, big factor. Yeah, for for me, I love that kind of stuff, you know, is to be near the water, it makes me feel calm. And then to be at an event like this, you better feel calm. (laughs) There's no need to be upset. (laughs) There's no way. If you are, are, it's okay, because we have guided meditations. Yeah, and go get an IV drip. (laughs) So you've had quite an evolution, 
you know, as far as your first conference to where you are today, which is awesome that you mm -hmm. were able to do this, you know, being in the pandemic and really getting traction. And I commend you for that because most of the time, you know what happened. People were complaining, oh, we can't do things. We can't work the way we were working. Oh, people have exercised their force majeure and their contracts and they're not paying. I mean, there was all kinds of chaos that was going on. But you know what? You put your head down with your team and you just kept going and you kept hitting the goals that you had set for yourself and learning along the way. And the pandemic taught us a lot, you know? Oh, yeah. So oh, I- great. I'm so yeah, I'm so thankful for I know a lot of people in the in the biotech in the pharmaceutical industry have been pissed off about the pandemic, unless they worked for Moderna or Pfizer, um, then, you know, they had something to do. Uh, but I know that for me working during the pandemic, I was working on COVID, you know, I was working with the White House the first time in my entire career, that I ended up working with the previous administration. Um, because I was one of the people that got hacked by the Chinese when I filed into CEDAR, which is the FDA system that you use to put your IND in. Um, I was one of the companies that that happened to where they put a Trojan on top of me in the FDA. The FDA couldn't find my filing, but I got a return from the FDA system with a receipt with a number my IND number, my PIND number, which was 149296. I have a photographic memory. And because uh, this was two plus years ago, I could still remember. And it was just chaos. But we kept plugging away with different types of therapeutics. We were working on a bunch of different things. Plus, we built Spectral. That's when I built the telemonitoring platform and the EDC and the EPRO because, listen, we might as well just get going and get this done because now we need this more than ever. Telemonitoring patients? Wow. Who would have thought we'd be doing that during COVID? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I brought out necessity. Right. And so, like, you guys also, you figured out what was going to work for your business model and you plugged ahead and you went, I we kept going and you just kept going and you didn't give up. And now look where you're at this year, you know, 2022, you've got one of the biggest conferences in the space happening in Miami with headliners. The fact that you were able to attract the FDA is huge because they don't just show up. We know that. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Christina on that one. <laughs> Because you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, like it's tough to get them to get behind some of these things because they want more research. They want to see, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, that's what the FDA requires and other regulatory bodies throughout the world, you know, TGA, et cetera. They need to see the data in order to be able to get behind it. So I think it was very awesome that you were able to bring them into the conference and get them to talk about this. Oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. We, you know, we're really focused on the, you know, the legitimacy and the, and the thought leadership and not just, you know, fluffy, pump and dumpy kind of language. Um, we actually, you know, on the biotech side also have a representative, uh, Kevin Lonzo from uh, Roche Genentech. So mm -hmm. building the bridge between, you know, the psychedelic world and the, and the biotech world, we're working on, you know, confirming more um executives or, or thought leaders from the biotech space and you know really want to make sure that this is uh, a conversation that's had by all parties i think it's really really important that that happens you know because i've been watching the transition and various different um 
types of nutraceuticals, because that's what I consider this to be is a nutraceutical. Um, so it should fall under the Food and Drug Cosmetic Act, not under a biologic license application. Doesn't make sense. But anyway, <laughs> the nutraceutical track, you still have to do clinical studies and you still have to make sure that you're following the rules, right? You're just not going to pass this out and good luck. No, you're yeah. going to do it the right way. So I think it's great that even with your conference, you acknowledge that. Like I've seen a lot of people at many conferences not ask the FDA to attend. And then they wonder why, you know, the FDA is not getting behind things. Well, because you, you're you not backing it with data. You're not bringing the right people in it to talk, you know, the fact that you could get Genentech Roche to come out and speak, you know, I have a lot of respect for Genentech and Roche. I've been in, you know, the pharmaceutical traditionally space for 24 years globally. And Genentech was my first client, as I mentioned to you, when I launched my first CRO in 2010. So I think this is so awesome that they're coming along. And I'm happy that I can sit in the middle kind of between them both, because I know traditional pharma, and I know the nutraceutical space. So... <laughs> Like, you know, to be able to, yeah. yeah, to be able to bridge the gap because not everybody understands that. Right. And so you have like some people that are just doing stuff willy nilly just cause then you have some people that are trying to follow the rules. And then there's some people that want to follow the rules, but they don't know the rules to follow. So they're just trying whatever they can. At least yeah. they're trying. <laughs> <laughs> so. What got you into all of this? Because we're we're nearly ending up on our time already. It goes by fast, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but what, what got you into this personally? Because we talked about the business side. I just want to, if you're okay sharing some of the personal side, I don't want to pressure you, but if you could just share a little bit about yourself, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, by all means. Um... You know, I, I was originally a photographer and I, I worked doing that for a number of years. And um, it was actually in, in you know, multiple instances, the actual, you know, medicine, plant medicine, cannabis and psychedelics that, you know, helped me kind of develop to, you know, kind of the idea that I could enter this space in a professional, but also impactful, uh, you know, meaningful manner. Uh, so originally spent three years in the cannabis space as an entrepreneur doing, um, you know, we, we, we had a company called Ethical Image and we planted 100, 2,000 trees for every job we did, just trying to, you know, give back as we capitalized. And uh, really just the evolution into psychedelics was pretty natural. It came, you know, out of um, just kind of watching the, uh, the, the the social spectrum on the on the commercial scales, I saw, you know, I, I entered cannabis in 2017, and I saw the exact same things kind of popping up. To similar people talking about things, legislative moves, and I, you know, kind of realized that it was an inevitable thing. And it was also just like, a, oh, I like these too, <laughs> you know, so uh, might as well. And and I think it's. Uh, it, the, the industry has a tremendous potential to impact people's lives in a positive way, as long as it's done responsibly, sustainably, and, and scaled by people with the right kind of motivations and ethical backgrounds. And so, uh, you know, my, my thing is, if I can help that and accelerate it and make sure it, you know, goes in the right direction, at least what I have control of, then, you know, that's, that's something that I can do to help humanity and really just, you know, enjoy what I do for work every day. 
I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us because one of the other things we try to do on the show, and I didn't tell you this before we came on because I knew you would do it without me even asking, which is, you know, to teach people a lesson. You know, one of the things I like to do is to be able to explain certain things to people so they can gather some sort of lessons learned in these podcasts, whether it's, you know, to keep moving forward, even in the the eyes of a pandemic that could cripple your business um, and still be brave and push ahead or trying something brand new that you've never done before because you believe in it because of humanity and wanting to help others. I think those two lessons are huge, right? For, you know, to get out of this discussion we're having because they are truthful. This is what you've done over the past, however many years that you've been in the space trying to do this to achieve your goal and to help people. Find your, find your passion, you know, tie it to profession and find your people and get to work. You know, it's uh... It's a recipe for success as long as you are okay with the ups and downs and getting the shit beat out of you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> you just have to keep going and not giving up. I mean, like when we were talking before we came on, we were talking about what happens to us in social media, in traditional social media platforms, because we work in spaces that not everyone uh, understands and they stigmatize. And we you know, end up being collateral damage sometimes because we're in this space and we want to share the knowledge that we have or maybe some information that could help someone feel better. I mean, today is World Mental Health Day today. And I mean, imagine how many people, right? How many people this could help? You know, my um, my brother, he passed away this year um, in early January and what his death certificate says and, and, and what the obituary says is that he died from COVID, which is true. He did die from COVID. His uh, organs started to shut down. He was a perfect candidate for COVID because he had congestive heart failure. So he died at 43. He turned 43 in the hospital. When he came into the hospital, his heart was only working at 18% capacity. So you're probably wondering, well, wait a minute. This, wait, what? For, what 18 percent he's 42 when he came in and you're telling me 18 percent yep and it was because obviously i said the congestive heart failure but the reason why he had congestive heart failure was because he was abusing uh oxy and those types of drugs to stabilize himself because he was schizophrenic and bipolar i knew about the bipolar disease Uh, But I did not know about schizophrenia until he was dying and I got contacted by the hospital to get in there and help them figure out what to do with him as far as treatment, because he was on a BPAP machine. He was on the vent. They took him off the vent, put him on the BPAP. And, you know, this was in the height of COVID in the beginning of this year. And they needed the machine for other people. And he was dying. I mean, everything was shutting down. Um, But it was all as a result of his mental health. And so I say that. Because imagine where we're, what kind of discussions we're going to be able to have next year, Patrick, about mental health and about the benefits of nutraceutical products like psilocybin, cannabinoids, et cetera, that can actually help patients feel better on a day-to-day basis without being stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, you know, it's uh, a lot of work to undo narratives that have been installed in a culture and society and countries for you know half a century 
Um, mm -hmm. But it's important to do. Uh, if you believe in cognitive liberty and people's right to choose, then you know, all access should be on the table and you know, responsible, safeguarded, and you know, like kind of manner that that people are gonna make their own choices anyways. They're gonna use what they're gonna use anyways, find a you know, dirty supply that actually helps the black market if it's not legal and accessible. So it's it's one of those things where it kind of just makes too much sense not to. Right. And if they're under the supervision of a physician who's their treating physician that understands what they're doing um, because they've been part of clinical trials, et cetera, then why not? Why not give people the access to something that's going to help them feel better rather than having them die at 43 years old? Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't mean to go there today. It just popped into my head about, you know, today is World Mental Health Day. I, I just thought, you know, why not talk about this a little bit? Because it's something that not everybody wants to talk about. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry to hear what you lost. Oh, thank you so much. Well, now it just kind of gives you a little bit more um, grit behind why I do what I do. You know, growing up, he's he was two, is very important. Yeah, he was two and a half years younger than me. And today I put a post up very late in the day about this um, acknowledging World Mental Health Day. You know, the nonprofit Affinity Patient Advocacy pushed out something first thing this morning. But I wanted to push something out personal, you know, um, under my brand, under my name to talk about this. And ironically, my great aunt sent me a picture of my brother when he was in kindergarten and my third grade picture because I was that's how far we were two and a half years apart so I was you know ahead of him in school obviously so I posted that picture up of him when he was in kindergarten and like look at him when he was in kindergarten and now know what happened to him now like look he was innocent when he was in kindergarten and he was struggling in kindergarten he struggled his whole life and we should be able to help people feel better so they don't end up struggling their whole life until they do something to themselves that leaves us without them every day in our life. Yeah, entirely true. So thank you today for joining me. I really, really appreciate this. And I'm really excited about the upcoming conference. I'm so honored to be part of your speaking team um, on the biotech side, because um, it's, it's exciting to be able to talk about this stuff, you know, um, from the clinical side and just to be able to talk about how we should push forward in a drug development space and what it should look like from a safeguards factor for safety and efficacy. A hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you for uh, the interview. I really appreciate you having me on and sharing the, uh, you know, the word with your audience about what we're doing here. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. I very much appreciate you. And as we always say, remember, we are the same. I am Christina DiArcangelo. Thank you for joining me today.